Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 5 of season 7. Now season 7 is focused on the wide brown land of Australia and all the beautiful barbecue action that goes on inside it. So we're kicking off this season um, with, I'm interviewing the top 5 ABA and KCBS teams and today's guest is Jai Healy of Smokeface Grillers. Now, SFG are one of the most well-known and highest performing teams in the country and have been for years. They finished third on the ABA ladder in 2019 and second, a very close second in 2018. So they are most definitely on the pointy end. They are multiple GC and RGC winners in Australia. They are international competitors. And today we've got the team captain, Jai, and he's going to tell us a whole bunch of stuff. So we are going to talk to him about what life is like at the top of the ladder because I've certainly never been there and I'd like to know. And uh, we're going to talk about his travels to the US in 2019. He's going to give us an overall rundown on how his 2019 went and what opportunities have opened up as a result of that. We're going to find out what he's got lined up for 2020. And then we're going to get into some really interesting, super fascinating uh, couple of topics here. The first one is we're going to look at regional differences in barbecue in Australia and New Zealand. Um, because Jai spends a lot of time competing interstate and across the ditch. And he started to see some interesting trends pop up. So that's going to be fascinating to find out about that. And we're going to look at how Jai has taken a popular buzzword in the business world, made that the team mantra and the effect that that's had on their performance. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Jai Healy, Captain of Smokeface Grillers. Mate, welcome to the confessional. Hey, mate. How are you? Mate, I am having a great time. It's been a bit of a stressful couple of days, but it's it's all coming good. How about you? Yeah, getting back into things um, after the holiday period. Uh, second week back at work, so it feels like I haven't had a holiday again. So, you know, it's all, all the fun in the world. Yeah, it's funny how those uh, how those holiday memories seem to fade away fade away really fast. Yeah, real fast. And before we blink, we're preparing for a comp this week. So yeah, um, it's it's all it's all the fun in the world. Now, which competition is that one? It's the it's a small KCBS comp up at um, Bundalong called BBQ. It's a um, beer festival, barbecue festival, and I think they got Shannon Noel playing there as well. Um, get all the ferals in, um, but yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> we we, uh, we weren't going to do it and we thought, you know what, it'll be a good practice run coming into the season. We're uh, swapping smokers around and um, we're going to roll it out and give it a go. Oh, wow. There's so much to, to unpack there. But uh, the biggest thing I picked up on what you just said was swapping smokers around. You've got a beautiful big Myron mix and H2O. Why would you want to move on from that and what are you moving to? Uh, well, we still got the Myron, but the Myron does offer some difficulties. The Myron... Needs constant water flow, constant water pressure. To fill it up manually is a real pain, like a real, real pain. Um, it also weighs 550 kilos. So when we're doing massive Ks around the country, it does uh, get pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. But um, we're moving, to, we're actually going to be cooking on drums completely for the first couple of comps this year. See how we go. Um, we might roll the Myron out still. Um, but yeah, at this stage, we're going to, all of us have got a drums. Um, we got Chris 
kicking in our team now. So between us, we've got five drums and it just makes it a lot easier that we can practice stuff at home um, to roll out at comp instead of like, it's, it's hard to get together at times and all, all use the, the one cooker. Yeah, right, for sure. Yeah, you'd sort of be stepping over each other to get in and out of the other one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Myron's big enough, but it's, I guess it's just a, you probably know yourself, but you've got your work, family, just time pressures. Um, Justin and I live really close together, but the other two boys live out in the west with all the rocks out there, so um, they're a couple of hours away, so it doesn't make catching up the easiest. No, no, it, it would make it pretty hard. So have you gone with um, with gateway drums or have you gone with uh, like a Drubacue or, or something else? Um, we are very proudly sponsored by the Q Club. Um, Andrew, Pam, Dean and Dana are great, great friends of ours. We met them on the scene. Um, obviously, we've got the Q Club and um, they've got the Gateway Drums. So we've picked up all our drums through the Q Club over time. And yeah, we, we'll be supporting um, Gateway Drums and the Q Club as we roll them out. Oh, very exciting. Now, that sort of mm-hmm. just naturally presents one more question to me. You mentioned that you met uh, met the Cavs around the competition circuit, who throws the louder party, you or the Cavs? <laughs> Look, um, they definitely were party central. Um, we've probably taken the mantra. We've got a bit – it's getting a little bit wild now. Um, we've actually decided this year we're going to roll out some theme parties. So the first one's at Hazy. We're um, with the Watch Your Beef crew. Um, so we're going to do a Friday night um, Hawaiian dress-up night and we've got all props and uh, trophies for <laughs> best dress and all types of stuff and got a – Got a good 30, 40 people interested in coming across to it, so that'll be a bit of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, we thought we'd mix it up. It's all about having fun. Um, I think the world of barbecue can be lost away from the fun sometimes, so um, we always make sure like, there's not a single comp that we've ever left and not not um, had as much fun as we could. Um, we've always wanted to be that team and made sure. So I guess if you stop having fun, it's probably not you're not going to do it anymore, so um, this will change it up and provide a bit of fun and get, get a few people in the left to be good. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how all that uh, how all that plays out. It sounds sounds like it's going to be a barrel of fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a few other guys like um, Dan Barrett and that promising they're going to rock up in a in a bikini. But look, I reckon they might get a bit gun shy when it gets close to the date. So it would be interesting to see if it happens or not. Dan Barrett in a Borat mankini. <laughs> I think he's looking at sporting a two piece uh, a women's one. But oh, okay. The mankini might be a little bit more flattering on him. <laughs> Mate, uh, Nick from Scotch and Smoke will be memeing the hell out of him after that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't reckon he's, he'll get a bit gun shy. He talks a big game at times. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, you guys have been right up the top there for uh, like a good couple of years now. What What is life like at the top of the ladder? It's actually a funny one. I remember when we first got on the scene, the, the teams that were really at the top were the Shank Brothers. You had Badass. Um, you had... Um, the meat sweats, double barrel were fire, firing. And um, it's pretty funny. Like they get a tight, tight um, knit community and they kind of know each other. And we sat back and we're like, oh, it's a little bit elitist. Is it a little bit not? But um, then we, like we kind of flew under the radar. Then you start winning and everyone does take notice of you. So they watch what you're doing at comps. They watch how you're preparing. They take, they take notice of every single thing you do. Um, it is a little bit, it does get a little bit screwed. Like you do get a little bit scrutinized at the time. Um, we never had complaints until we, uh, about us until we started winning, but look, it's one of those things where I guess it brings you when, when you're at the top, all the teams at the top kind of have something in common. Um, and it's just a natural progression. It just happens that way. It's a competition sport, but it's, um, it's been very good for us too. Like it's, uh, 
it does put a lot of pressure on too. So we do like as as we as I said to you before, we like to have fun, but there is an expectation from us to perform. There's an expectation, I guess, from other people that we're going to go there and um, be up the top all the time. And you do feel it. You you actually do feel it coming into comp to comp. Yeah, well, I guess once you do get up there, that's when you start attracting the sponsors, and that's when you also then um, have obligations to those sponsors. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Look. It's kind of funny. I reckon if you actually took a snapshot of the teams who are up towards the top of the ladder and some of the guys who are just getting into it and the newer teams, I reckon some of the newer teams have um, more sponsors than what someone like ourselves do. I know at one stage when, before we were winning, we probably had like t- eight, nine different sponsors on the um, on the roll. And it does make things hard. But I guess we the way we look at it is things move away from sponsorship and into a partnership. We, we really like supporting brands. Um, like that we believe in like um we were the first team in at kelly's meets with luke um justin and i spent time with luke when he was going through all the cuts um we don't even need to tell him what we want anymore we just tell him what order it is and he has it ready for it. he knows he knows how we want it um like we're sponsored by and we get a good deal but we still pay for our meat and i think that's the key um a lot of people get these free deals and then they're forced into picking and um kind of locked into things that they don't necessarily want to do so you, 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 we build partnerships. Um, we've got the Q Club, obviously. We've got um, Heat Beads have been an amazing supporter of ours um, for the last two years, and this will be our third year with them. Um, really believe in their product. Part of the reason we're swapping the gateways as well, like their charcoal is just super, super good stuff, um, real consistent, and it just provides consistency, which is the real key when it comes to comp cooking. Well, yeah, you've got to be able to replicate it time and time again, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and and th- those partnerships and sponsorships are, are a key to that, because that I guess the biggest thing, um, which we'll probably touch on later on, is um, you everything needs to be consistent. Um, consistency is what really gets you winning. It's 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 change that really um throws you out. And look, we're changing this weekend. We think it's not going to be that big of a deal. We're pretty confident in cooking, and we have our flavor profiles and stuff like that. But it's still, we know all the other variables. We know the meats there when it's the same charcoal we've always been using and all those key um, partnerships are all like that. They, they're part of building that consistency and, and part of staying at the top. So if I had to uh, sort of pin you down on it, what would you say differentiates sponsorship from partnerships? Well, like you call them sponsorships, I guess. Um, but it's sponsorship is a bit of a buzzword. Like, what 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 are they getting out of it? What are you getting out of it? Um, sometimes sponsorships is, is that they're, they're providing you with something and that's it. Like um, we know in the past, we've spoken to other teams who have got meat sponsors and um, what they get is what they get. They don't really have a lot of flexibility where when you when you kind of build like a sponsorship moves into a partnership, you kind of, you, you're developing together, you're working together. Um, you're constantly like, if you, if it's like, it's like the business world, if you're sitting on your ass, you're probably not going anywhere. Um, so you're always going to be trying to stay at the front because barbecue, comp barbecue does move, Like there is trends in comp barbecue. Um, there's different flavor profiles that, um, that change. There's different cuts that become popular and more popular over time. And then they, they're not so popular. Um, so you always want to be making sure that you're at the front of the pack all the time. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. So, all right, tell me about 2019. Yeah, 2019 was an um, interesting one for us. Um, we obviously had a really, really big 2018 coming into it. 
um, when Justin and I started the team, our number one goal was to go to the States and our 2018 season enabled that. So our real focus was like um, pretty much getting to the Royal, um, try and do as best we could at the Royal. But obviously you never go to a competition um, half mast. So like everyone says they're, they're tinkering or they haven't tried that hard at a comp and that. But when, when, when the guts of the comp's there, you're still, you're still having a crack. Um, so we just thought we thought it'd be impossible to replicate our 2018 season. And um, we managed to pull off, I think three GCs in a row there. We had two third place finishes. Um, I think every competition we were in the top 10 bar one for the year out of nine. So in the ABA. Um, so we had, a, we had a pretty solid season. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And so, as you said, you, you went to the U S um, that was the Royal, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So we did the American Royals at first, um, obviously, we've been to New Zealand twice before, um, but going to the US is a very, very different beast. Um, like we get a, we get a little, we get stirred up a little bit that our trailer's um, incredibly big and too big for the scene in Australia. And mate, I'd be embarrassed taking our trailer to the states because it looks <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it, a mini miner compared to some of the stuff they're rocking out there. <laughs> mate, it's a third of the size of the ones that I saw when I was over there. Oh, and they're, they're so welcoming too. Like you talk to them and they bring you in and. You look at their gear, and uh, the, the one thing we picked up was like the cost of what they pay for what they get is is a lot less than what like so they get a lot more for a lot less out of the pocket than what we would in Australia. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a different scene. Like I remember we walked into um, Charles's van um, from Wolf's Revenge Barbecue, and he asked us we had a few drinks at this stage. And he asked us um, how many comments we'd done. I think, oh, we th- we're like, we replied, oh, we think we're in the 30s. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've probably done about the same this year. And I'm like, nah, that's what we've done in four years. <laughs> so, you know, we've done in four. He knocks out in, in, he knocked out in um, three quarters of a year. So it's just, a, it's just a different level. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking to, uh, to one fellow there a while ago who was telling me that um, he will actually sit down with all the different calendars of all the different competitive bodies, um, you know, the IBCA, the KCBS, all those different ones over there. And he will actually plot out his calendar looking for um, double events on weekends. So he's looking for one that starts on a Friday and hands in on a Saturday. And then he packs up and he drives to the next one and he sets up on Saturday afternoon, cooks overnight Saturday and then hands in again on Sunday. That's madness. Yeah, um, we actually picked that up. So when we asked him, we, we picked that up. Like when we were talking to Charles, he said that they do a lot of double headers as well, like, like at the Royal where... You, you rock up to a comp and you you rock up on the Friday, you hand in Saturday, then you hand in a, a comp on Sunday. So you're picking up two comps in one weekend. Um, I do know that Luke um, from Kelly's Meats is looking at doing a KCBS doubleheader at some stage this year, um, very similar, which I think would be a pretty good thing. Um, but yeah, it does it does make it pretty enticing. It does. It'd be interesting to see if the ABA got one of those rolling. I reckon they'd probably get a few more teams um, kicking up to it. Yeah, it certainly. Um Add like add another level of uh, of pressure to perform, wouldn't it? Uh, look, it would, but I guess the biggest the the biggest breaker in competition barbecue is is that just about everyone you speak to has got family, kids, and stuff. And if you could pick up two competitions on one weekend, I guarantee you that's pretty enticing compared to just a standalone one one weekend comp. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So what uh, what have you got lined up for twenty twenty? What opportunities have have opened up as a result of this? Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, what we what we performed in two thousand and eighteen, 
um, we probably have we probably got similar opportunities. I think uh, um, there's three ways you can take barbecue. Um, you either can make something of it; it's either there for fun, just competition, or um, there's lots of avenues. Um, we get asked for classes, we get asked for rubs or sauces and all that stuff. But look, as as SFG, like Juzzy has his JG barbecue plates, but we 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 do this for fun. It's a hobby of ours, so we we limit any interaction outside of competition. A lot of it, but. Um, I guess the big thing that 2020 has opened up is just relationships. Um, our relationships into New Zealand, like Luke Seney, Jared McDonald. Um, there's a whole bunch of crew in New Zealand who are just amazing. Like we'll head back there again. We'll try to get over there a couple of times this year. Um, and then with the States too, like we're already planning, well, I'm planning myself two trips to the States um, this year. And a lot of those interactions, and it might not necessarily be with Smokeface, but um, just just the interactions and meeting people on the international level and the invites and stuff just really opens up another level of barbecue. And I guess that's what probably is interesting myself at the moment. I know it's interesting. Some of the other guys in our team, just um, something, something a bit different um, and looking at things in a different way. Yeah. It's kind of funny what you were saying there about, um, about how you, as you're networking with people, you're meeting, you're, you're getting invites and all that sort of stuff. I, um, I met uh, the barbecue ninja at the Houston barbecue championships in 2018 and when he heard that I was coming over in 2019 for the NBBQA conference, he said, oh, look, why don't you come out two weeks earlier and come hang out and, and cook with us and hang out with us at Hogs for the Cause in New Orleans? And I went, hang on a minute, I get to go hang out with with this really popular barbecue team at a barbecue competition on the banks of Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans. Um, yeah, I'll be there for sure. And it was just wild. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that's the big thing, like – it's it's a funny thing like uh, this is probably going back a step but when we watched mafia win the two ribbons and um even big smoke won the ribbon at um the royal here before like you're impressed but you, you don't really get that you know as impressed as like compared to when you went there when we went to the royal and saw the event how big it is the scale and the scale of the american cookers um you realize how big those achievements actually are but on top of that you, you see how serious these people are and um, just to have a look at some of the stuff that these guys do, like um, th- some of the stuff that they're doing, like is cutting edge and, and, and they're bringing stuff that we haven't seen before or, and just to, to sit back and watch it. Like um, we met James Cruz in New Orleans um, and he came third in ribs at the Memphis in May last year. And we'll sit there having a chat with him and just listening to his stories and how he did it and how it all happens. It's just, it's just amazing. Like um, just to witness some of those things would be probably the next big thing on my list to do. Oh yeah. He's a cool cat. That one too. Did you make it into his, uh, into his barbecue joint there in New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we were, we were partying pretty hard in New Orleans, obviously James, <laughs> James Justin and um, Dan from Big Smoke come across and look, the part of New Orleans is missing from my memory and I think it always will be. Um, I don't <laughs> but we were looking for something to eat. We, like the Creole food there is amazing. And we looked up that there was that, uh, I, think, I can't remember what it's called now, Burn City Smokers, is it? or uh, Central um, City Barbecue Central is, the, is yes. the name of the restaurant. Yeah, Central City Barbecue. So we, we cruised across there and we walked in. And um, as soon as I heard <laughs> our accents, he, he came straight over. He was actually filming something for a charity event he was cooking at. And um, he came over. We probably spent two and a half hours having a beer, um, chewing the fat with him. And he was he's an amazing dude. Like just He's truly one of the best guys in barbecue we come across and it was actually surprisingly um, one of the best barbecue feeds that we had in America. 
um, in New Orleans out of all places. So they're not really known, but what he's doing there is uh, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, so good. They've got those uh, those brick-style pits out the back there. It's really interesting. Yeah, I got the brick-style pits and they had the big offset and they got so many different rooms and so many different setups and so many, so many different ways. But um, as a consistency over the, the course, like we pretty much tried everything on the plate there, um, they'll probably... It was probably Franklin's number one, and they were probably second at a, when we were probably eating about fifteen different barbecue joints. So it was just he he was nailing it. Oh, easily, yeah, yeah. I um I went over and I spent maybe just about a half hour just talking to him at, at Hogs for the Cause. He had a team of about sixteen, seventeen, maybe even eighteen people working at his um and in his cook tent there. Um, and he just runs them all out of his head. There's nothing written down. He keeps track of it all in his head for two days. 16 people working all at the same time. Yeah, it's, you gotta, that just comes with, um, I guess, the experience. But, yeah, he, he's, he's seriously one of the best pit masters that we come across. Um, he, and he was, so, um, he was so happy to share anything that he had. Um, even now, I still chat to him um, online. He's just had his little boy there. and um, he's, he's an absolute ripper. Um, he wants to come out to Australia and we'll probably end up trying to help him get out here for one of their comps soon, I reckon. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so we've just been talking about um, some of the different styles of barbecue that you experienced over in America and you mentioned Franklin's and we were just talking about Central City Barbecue. But you've got a couple of ideas about how things are evolving here in Australia as well. Fill us in on that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I've obviously got a background in science, um, so I, I do no doubt in some of the stats at times, but um, we, we try to keep track of, I guess this is part of saying the type, you try to keep track of who's doing what, where, the, where they're doing it. Um, I guess what's what's happening, who's winning in what region. And um, I guess Barbecue in Australia is now starting to develop trends. And I think there's some clear trends that are starting to develop. But look, there's probably not enough information to know what, what are the trends. Um, but it's enough to say that, there's no, it's more than just luck now. Um, you just look at the teams who win where um, or do very well where, and it's, it's starting to become really consistent. Um, I think I explained to you uh, prior that, like ourselves, we, 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 we pride ourselves on their consistency. We, we roll out the same flavor profile, the same cook. Um, look, we're not, we're not naive to know that different cooks happen in different places, but for three years in a row, we go to South Australia and we just cannot crack the top 10. Like we cannot, but in Melbourne or in Sydney, we're, we're pretty much at the pointy end. Um, and then you look at someone like the smoking crew, um, he, and they had blue smoke there for a bit. I think he's at four RGCs in a row in South Australia and he does pretty well in Melbourne, but um, a few times in Sydney, he's probably been slightly off the mark. And I guess the same can be said with Lucas. Lucas has a horrid time in Melbourne, but north of Sydney, he just absolutely dominates. And you look at country boys too, anything in that Queensland region, he's killing it. But he, he probably has been a bit out of luck when it comes a bit lower down south. So I think it's more than just, um, well, talking in our team, we, we think it's more than just um, like luck or chance now. Um, there is a few outliers there, but there's some real consistent models showing and it's probably targeted which areas we'll all go to comp- competing this year. We're, we're going to try and steer steer into areas that we've been better and steer away from areas that we just can't crack. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess that, that 
that sort of gets folded into the strategy that you that you take walking into the season. Yeah, yeah, um, it's one of those things. Like we've always, for some reason, always done well in Sydney. Our first ever Sydney comp was the Invitational, the first Invitational, and um, we got a fourth there, which was probably the real start of our run. And then um, we obviously won the year after. We've got we got third this year. Um, we won broke um, last year as well, and they've pretty much been the only trips into that New South Wales regions that we've done. Um, we've done well at Meatstock in the past, and we've done well at Ballarat. We won two GCs in a row there, but then we head out towards that Adelaide way and. Um, like we go out to Horsham or we go out that way. And it, like, it just seems that we've had good cooks out there. Um, people have obviously had better cooks too, but it just, it just seems to be a bit of a consistent model building that there seems to be developing trends of what I reckon in regions. And I guess that's going to happen over time as well. Um, cause as a competition barbecue, as you know yourself, you do taste other people's food and there is clear differences, but look to know what the differences are. I couldn't tell you that, but, there's definitely there's definitely something to it. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. That was going to be my next question. Was um, have you actually tried, say, the, the smoking cruise food over in South Australia, and were you able to identify sort of differences in flavour profile? Because I mean, typically, barbecue generally is you know sweet and heat. There's not a whole lot of differences other than that. I I tried to do things like um, I used to make my own pineapple barbecue sauces because I'm from Queensland. I wanted to put a tropical flair in it, and the judges hated it absolutely hated it murdered me um on the on the scorecards but uh yeah it, it seems if you just go sweet and heat then you're fine but then we also have a have a saying up here in queensland that you don't take um you don't uh, take spice south of the border so have you tried some of the smoking cruise food have you tried some of lucas's some of dan's what have you noticed um have have been some of the differences it's um it's funny um Michael from the smoking crew and you got Chris there as well now they're they're amazing cooks um we 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 know Grav pretty well and um look there is clear differences um we like if you've ever had our flavor profile um a lot of people who comment to us say that they like with our ribs and stuff you can still taste the porkiness of the ribs but our flavor profiles are quite complex too we look for a um it's funny that you say no heat south the border because we. We actually carry a little bit of heat in our um, in our cook. Um, we, we what I call a, we try balance three flavor profiles. We go for a sweet heat with a bit of bit of mind a bit of vinegar in it either. Um, we it's it's hard to distinguish because it is you're talking minute differences. Um, but Grav Grav probably keeps some of his cook a lot simpler than ours. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's obviously working for him, but. I actually made the made the comment to him in South Australia once where he got me he tasted our brisket was like bang, this is really, really good. And um I tried his and he um I pretty much said to him, Look, man, I think it's a bit one dimensional. And then he got first place brisket and let me know all about it. So <laughs> <laughs> um but I guess I am a bit of a shade shooter. If you ask me uh, my opinion, I'll I'll give you give it to you what you're thinking and my opinion's not necessarily always right, quite clear, but um grabs grab hits texture like he, he very much knows his texture and he probably does keep his flavor profiles pretty um probably not as complex as ours but they're, they're still pretty complex but i guess he's probably more of a um like you, you really know what you're getting when you taste his food um well i guess we probably hit we probably hit a bit too much flavor for maybe that area it's it's hard to tell because there's a trend building but you don't know what the differences are like it could be that we, we, we carry too much, might be something minute, like we might carry too much pepper and it might not be that we have a um, like too much going on. So 
um, until you pretty much sat everybody down and tried to figure out what they were doing, um, you couldn't establish it yet. But I, I think that over time it'll it'll distinguish itself more and more. Yeah, I have a bit of a theory about um, about the the Melbourne flavour profiles because Melbourne's really famous for its multiculturality. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe the the people in Melbourne generally the the general public have a bit of a a wider, more experienced palate, and they bring that into the judging tent when they come in. Yeah, but I can, I can kind of see that, and I've seen that. I've, I have heard that argument when we've um, talked about with other teams and stuff. Um, but you look at some of the comps too that you get out in Melbourne. A lot of them are larger comps, and it's very hard to find consistent judges too. So um, obviously most of the experienced judges are in that New South Wales belt as well. So you look at, like, you're all out to some of the New South Wales comps and they've got guys who have judged more than what most of the teams have competed there. Um, I actually think it's it's tougher at times in that area where there's more experienced judges um, than what it is in, with some of these. It can be a bit more hit and miss with some of these newer judges, but I guess there, there has to be trends in that, that palette too because there is obviously clear differences. And um, look from what we run in Sydney and what we run in Melbourne is exactly the same. And I wouldn't say that there's enough to say that we do any different in Melbourne to Sydney, but definitely um, going, going to that Western side, we, we notice that big difference and that big shift that we, we just don't hit the mark as well. Mm, interesting. So ha- have you come as far North as Queensland to compete? Um, no, uh, Port Macquarie twice is there. Obviously Port Mac was the um, highest we've been. Um, we registered for, uh, I think it was barely two years ago and it just didn't happen for us. Had um, a bit too much going on at the time. Um, but we are heading to Cairns this year. So we are making the trek up to the Cairns comp. So that'll be our first foray um, north. Gee, what could be uh, enticing you up to Cairns? <laughs> we actually um, we actually registered before we found out about the money. Oh, um, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was um, – we – we were we, we look to be honest with you. There was whispers that there was a big comp up north that had a fair bit of a, a cash rise there. And look, not, but you don't do everything for cash. But to be honest with you, the amount of comps that we've sat down here in Victoria or southern New South Wales or even South Australia in winter, um, and it's pouring down rain. Everyone's got jackets on, coats, raincoats, um, and you sit there and there's a comp running up north at the same time, and they're wearing shorts and t-shirts and having a great old time. Like we're, we're very much like we we've got to head north to do a competition. So um, it just worked out that um, all those things aligned, and yeah, we'll, we'll head to Cairns. It, it is very complex, obviously coming from Melbourne to Cairns. Um, it's it's not not a small trip by any means, but um, the logistics cab from the Q car has been really helping us out with the logistics there, and I think he's helping a few out and. Um, He's really stepped up to the plate, and um, he's like he's he's a huge help to our team, and um, he's really helping us out to enable us to do a fly out, fly out with it, um, fly and fly out with our own equipment. Oh wow, with your own equipment? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a big group of Victorian teams that are wanting to head up north to Cairns, and I guess when you get a group together, you're not just talking one pallet. Like it's probably easy to split a container in cost, and it probably won't be that different than by the time you paid for fuel and accommodation or that to get up and back and it's a lot easier well yeah i suppose that's a good point too you um you start start looking at things like uh, rail freight or road freight in a in a entire container yeah i can i can see that yeah yeah and i guess that's the things of um the, the scales of economy um when it's just us and 
we're looking at getting it over, it's going to be quite expensive. But I think there's six or seven teams from Victoria signed up or looking to go over. So when you start talking on that scale and if you all get together, um, I know Jared, more better barbecue, are flying over from New Zealand. They're very good friends of ours. So they're flying over to New Zealand and meet us in Kansas, have a go at that one as well. Um, and I think Cab's helping those guys just get some stuff up there as well. So it, it um, really helps out. Mate, I think we're going to see like a Mecca style, um, you know, two week journey of just people just flocking up there. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be huge. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm looking at heading up a week earlier with my family, actually probably the first barbecue competition they come along to. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make a bit of a holiday out of it. Um, I'll probably ditch them for the competition, but, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, look, if, if it gets off the ground, I think it could be one of those real iconic competitions, but I guess the hard part is, is that when, when you start talking, that distance from especially South Australia, Victoria, even New South Wales, it's a fair distance. Um, it's all right when there's, like if, if there was a fly-in flight to come in Sydney like that, there's there's a lot of barbecue community that you can reach out to to borrow stuff. And there's probably just not that in Cairns. Like I don't know, I personally don't know, but I think Cairns is a pretty, like from what I hear, it's a real growing area in barbecue and there's a lot of people really keen to get into it. But I don't think they'd have the, the people that would have the equipment that they'd be looking for for a lot of teams just to, to borrow stuff and fly and fly out, which probably makes the logistics of that one really, really hard. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, that, that sort of would, uh, would be part of it. There is, um, there is Drew White's barbecue shop up there. He, um, he does a lot of good work up there as well. So he might have some, uh, some good contacts if people want to reach out to him. I actually um, interviewed Evo, the, the promoter behind it all there just before Christmas, a couple of weeks before. It was the last episode of 2019 actually. And he has told me that this is 100% going ahead. The finance is all locked in. The money's all locked in. And he filled all his team spots just before, uh, like just with the expressions of interest call out. So he hadn't even opened it to formally sell the spots. And it was, uh, it, it was done. People were ringing him and saying, I'll pay right now. And he filled the competition before it even went to, to market. It's an interesting prospect because you look at something like the Invitational and the Invitational has terrific prize money, um, has the last two years. And even teams won't commit to the Invitational because the cost of entry is pretty high um, to get it once you're in it. And they, they probably haven't got all the numbers they wanted. But um, I guess that they're throwing out something that we've never seen in Australia, <laughs> um, which makes it pretty iconic. And I guess when you're when you're so far north and away from everything, um, you're probably really going to throw something out there to get people to come. So um, hats off to him. But, mate, it's, it's a lot of cash. It's a lot of cash for a mate, barbecue it's, comp. It's, it's <laughs> our equivalent of, of putting on a barbecue competition in the Bahamas. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's um, – and look, you got to be naive. Like everyone goes over there for the hopes of winning and – one person's going to walk away very happy. Well, probably a couple of people will walk away pretty happy, but one person's going to walk away very, very happy. But I guess it adds to the um, it adds to the excitement and gives something um, it gives something to chase. Because I tell you what, um, we won a fair bit of money in our time the last two years, and what that has enabled us to do is actually compete more and make it easy to compete and get over some of those hurdles. So whoever takes that one out is probably going to be nicely set up for the next couple of years. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that at all. Now, you've mentioned New Zealand a couple of times and that sort of fits in with where we started on the regional differences. Tell us about your trips to go compete in New Zealand. So New Zealand's been um, very good to us and not necessarily because we've done well over there, but um, they reached – we met Jared at the Invitational two years ago 
And um, with all the stuff that happened with Kangaroo Valley before we, we were set to go to a comp and then um, all of a sudden we had all our meat and no comp to go to. And he rang us up and said, hey, man, we got a comp here and that Luke Sini puts on. You should come over. We'll look after you. Um, we'll take you get yourselves here. You bring what you want here, and um, we'll take care of the rest. And I'm not even lying to you. The hospitality in New Zealand is next level. Um, the scene over there is very, very different to Australia. They've put a lot of effort into um, trying to keep it as open as possible. So um, in Australia, like we're, we're ones who can't talk, but it's kind of wall city. Everyone gets stuck away behind their walls. It's it's kind of secret city. Um, everyone tucks away and does their thing. Um, there's no walls in New Zealand and they really frown upon you putting walls up. It's a big community thing. Everyone helps each other. Um, the first time we went over there, we um, we obviously had our walls up and we we let everyone see everything we did. Like, it wasn't fuss for us. Um, but, mate, the hospitality, like, I remember we walked out, worked, uh, rocked up and there was a guy, I'm pretty sure it was fat and drunk barbecue, rocks up and, he had a whole fridge full of beer and he's like, uh, you boys help yourself to whatever you want, man. We, uh, <laughs> we definitely did, but um, <laughs> he wasn't that fast. And um, yeah, they just, it, it's just, just very different. It's very similar to um, Australia, but also very different. And they're, and they're so happy when the um, Aussies come over there to compete. They, um, they like giving us uh, obviously lots of stuff from the old Australian New Zealand rivalry at the same time. <laughs> um, but but that's pretty easy being from Victoria because we don't really give two hoots about rugby. So um, <laughs> it's kind of uh, water off a duck's back when it comes to that. So um, I guess if some of the Queenslanders and uh, New South Wales guys went up there, they'd probably chop it a bit more than what we would. But that's uh, a good it's point. great fun. Yeah, that's a good point. Does uh, Does New Zealand even have a soccer team? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I think they do. I don't, we don't really follow soccer, but they don't have an Aussie Rules team, and it's Aussie Rules City down here in Melbourne. So. Oh, of course, Aussie Rules. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, essentially, like um, Melbourne Storm is a pretty big club, but if you go to a game here, it's pretty like they get a good crowd, but it's nothing. It's nothing like going to the AFL. But um, no, it's great fun over there. Um, we've obviously we went last year. We went the year before, and I'm, I'm I'm heading over just to hang around with friends and give Jay a bit of a hand with meat stock in Auckland. And then um, I think we're looking at one or two comps throughout the year, um, being either the Long Room or the New Zealand Invitational. And then we'll probably look at going to um, Barbecue Mania that Jared puts on um, later on in the year as well. I've heard that is a great competition. Um, yeah, yeah, we were meant to go this year. Um, Jared obviously came to the Royal with us. Um, and he put a lot of pressure, but he kept changing the dates. And then all of a sudden the dates rolled out to, I think it was the week before the Invitational. And um, look, after we, we were pretty much in America for three weeks with the Royal and um, doing a bit of a holiday without the wives and family. So we really thought we'd be pushing it uphill if we um, if we rolled over to Barbecue Mania and then came back and went straight to the Invitational. We'd probably come home to lock doors in the house, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like the invitation is going to be pushed out this year. And um, if that's the case, we'll, we'll, we'll be 100% um, with Jared. And if you've ever met Jared, he's the biggest personality. Um, it's an epic event. I think they do they do events two days. They had a, I'm pretty sure they had like a Fornetto or a, um, uh, like a, a small weather competition the day, the day before and they had beef ribs and it's just, a, it's just a huge event, but we'd be, we'd be looking forward to go over and give that one a go. Yeah. It, is he the guy that does um, Octopits as well? He certainly is. Yeah. Um, 
we've cooked on the um off the pit. We we stir them up and we put a water pan in there and call it the H two bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he does. He has the octo pits. But Jared's got about three thousand projects on the go at the moment. Um, he's, he managed to snuff, snuffle. Uh, we we took a gateway over there for last conference didn't arrive in time, and um, Luke said he was took hold of that, and he managed to snaffle that off Luke. And he's always doing something, Jared. Like there's not a day that you don't speak to him, and he's not he's not um, building another pit or doing something different. So he's a uh, like barbecues life for him, and he, he really lives and breathes it, and it, it's it's a lot of passion for him. But uh, you can you can definitely see that when you meet him. Absolutely, yeah. So what did you pick up in terms of regional differences in terms of flavour profiles or uh, smoking woods and whatnot over in New Zealand? Um, yeah, it, it is very different. Um, obviously, the timber that we used over there is very different to start with. Um, we were <laughs> – the funniest was we were Big Boys Toys when we first went there. They did a two-day cook, so it was chicken and lamb on the first day, So which means it was only ribs – um, pork and brisket and it was late handings and we rocked up at like we had a big night the night before and didn't show up till like 7 38 a.m in the morning and <laughs> all, all those guys hadn't seen um hot and fast cooking i don't think yet they were all looking at us like have you guys slept in and they were giving us um uh, bolt crap on the way through and then um we jared bought this whole pile of timber there and the timber was very light it was a good timber but I think we pretty much what he usually uses for about three or four comps, we burnt through in about four or five hours trying to, get the, <laughs> trying to get the temperature to um, the hot. But the one thing you do notice there is um, I don't think it's the case anymore. So we obviously went to Big Boys Toys and then six months later we went to the long room. So at Big Boys Toys, it was like being back in Australia in the early days where everyone was injecting everything, including the parsley. Um, <laughs> and, and it was a very... Like it, they were still finding their feet somewhat and really pushing the boundaries of what they could do and what they couldn't do. Um, and they still had good barbecue. And then by the time we went to, we, we did pick that, we did win that competition. And obviously we went to the long room six months later and the difference in six months, like they are, they are pushing on an exponential level. Like um, I would tell you that they're, they're no different to what we are here. It's very similar. Um, the biggest differences we've noticed is lamb last year in Australia, I think, James won two first place trophies, three second place trophies, and a third. And I think there in a fourteen team comp, we got twelfth in Lamb and just absolutely tanked. Um, we 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 make James makes our own rub for our Lamb here, um, and it just seems to not um, hit the mark there. They they run a very um, rosemary, that traditional, um, what you'd almost call that roasty style lamb flavor and it really hits the market really good lamb um we really enjoyed it when we tried it but it's very different to what we've been winning with in um australia interesting interesting so um what do you see as uh, as coming up in that in that world next uh for new zealand it'd be interesting um it'd be interesting to see like we'll go back there and um we've been there twice obviously and we won two gcs over there um which as I said, you're probably the last one. We'll probably be lucky in the finish too. Um, but look, I reckon we'll go over there now, and I reckon we're going to get our. Um, I think they'll take great enjoyment to panting us. I think so. Um, they've grown so much. We we talk to a lot of the, those guys pretty often, and they they send us their cooks, and we talk barbecue with them all the time. And um, I think like even when we chat the Jack right now, we're learning as much off him as what he's learning off us at times. And, um, yeah, I think if we go over there a third time, I think they, they'll take great joy and let us know that they've, uh, they've beaten us. <laughs> Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? 
shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Now, we were talking earlier before we started recording and you mentioned something that just really piqued my interest. You've taken a really popular buzzword in the business world, you've turned it into a team mantra and it's really had a huge effect on your performance. So fill us in on what's happening with that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So this actually goes back to what we're talking about with the New Zealand with Jared. Um, obviously, our first company went over there and it's something you develop without even knowing. And um, the word we're looking at, synergy, um, we went over there and the one thing that he took from our entire cook was that it didn't matter what process we're at, whether it was chicken, if it was pork, lamb, if there was a problem, if there wasn't a problem, whatever had to be set up, we didn't even have to talk to each other. We just knew where we were and had to be at each time. Like we had clearly defined roles that we'd been doing for so long that it becomes a process. Um, and that process is what builds, obviously builds consistency and that consistency obviously builds results. Um, and since he highlighted it to us, we like, we've noticed it. Um, we've talked about it and it's the one thing that we probably believe in the most. Um, when you look at barbecue itself, I think that anyone, whether they're a competition barbecue or backyard barbecue, or if I said no time frame, cook me a brisket, cook me a set of pork ribs, they'd probably knock me out of the park any day of the week. Like anyone can do it. But when you start putting the pressure of you've got a hand in within a 10 minute window or half an hour or an hour apart, um, then, and then that, that's, that's hard enough as it is, but a lot of people sit in their backyard and they practice and they don't practice to define time. It's a lot more relaxed atmosphere. And then you go to the comp and then someone forgot a rub or the brisket's running late or like you start hitting the problems. And then that's all of a sudden where the, like, um, where, where your consistency falls and where a lot of teams, that's probably where a lot of teams fall behind. Um, we've, we've taught classes and we've taught, a lot of people, like we had a class last year where we showed our full hand of our full recipes, everything about them. Um, and it didn't really phase us because we could give you our entire recipe and our entire cook, but it doesn't mean that you're going to make it work. And the reason that you won't make it work is, is because we have a process that we follow that we know like the back of our hand. And until you get your own process, which I can guarantee would be completely different, you'll probably end up getting the same result. Um, and it, it'll be slightly different, but you're going to find your own process, your own consistency, your own way there. Yeah, right. Interesting. So I'm just having a bit of a look at um, at the meaning of synergy, the interaction or cooperation of two or more organization substances, substances or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Beautiful. I love it. And it actually just says that the Greek, that the Greek root of the word just means working together. So, so that's a big thing. Like, um, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but like you, when you started the thing, you say that I'm the team captain. We don't like, I, I'd probably take that role more, um, just availability wise, but we, we don't see ourselves that way. We don't see anyone as leader. Um, we don't do anything unless all, all of us agree on it. Um, we make sure that everyone has a role. We don't have defined cuts per se. Like James does look after lamb, um, Justin chicken, but, um, then I'll look after a few things, but everyone's got their hands on it. Um, everyone's involved. Everyone's making decisions and it's working together because like, it's like business. If you don't, the, the best results come from multiple members, obviously critiquing it. Um, Cause I can guarantee you that if it's just me, I'm the best, I'm the, I'm the best judge of my own cook. You know, it's at times you know, or my own performance. So um, you, you, you do need that, um, that bounce off of everybody within the team. 
Yeah. So are there particular strategies that you've put into place to to work on your synergy or is it something that has evolved naturally and just takes practice? Um, I think it come over time for us. And like I've, I've even spoken to a few teams who, who have been practicing and, and, um, and obviously toying around with barbecue, uh, competition barbecue and they've done a three, four comps a year and they really want to get into it. Um, and you've really got to commit. You've got to find a group of people who you can work with, um, who can buy in all the same, but you've really, for us, it was just about punching the competitions out. Like we probably, if you, if you look at the trends of barbecue from when we were, like it was our third year that we started winning GCs. You look at Butcher's Axe last year, it was their third year in barbecue. Um, you look at Big Smoke the year before, it was his third year in barbecue. So a lot of the a lot of the early guys like us, it almost took us three years to really start punching out those results. And that came without just like punching the comps out and working working out our um our issues. And then then you look at someone like Jared who watched our synergy, he rebuilt his entire barbecue team and his mantra around that synergy. He didn't even focus on the cook as much as what he focused on getting a team who wanted to work like a team. And he put himself in a when I spoke to him, like well, I speak to Jared quite a bit and he's he um, put a, like a two two year plan to get that synergy together and get that team functioning, and it took him six months to really get it together. And they punched out a GC, RGC to GC within the last three comps. So um, I think with everyone's been there and done that, and if, if you've got someone guiding you, you can probably get that that step up. But traditionally, if you look at as I said, us acts and um, Big Smoke and a few other other teams, it, it was really three years to get to get it up and running. So with all your experience then, what um, what sort of tips and techniques would you recommend for teams to to circumvent that, to, to shorten that three-year learning curve? Well, I think the big thing is is that the one thing I noticed with all new teams, um, like I deal with all the Watch the Beef guys a little bit. Uh, they're some of, some of the best people in barbecue and I was speaking to them the other day. And one thing I find is that people are very reactionary. So they'll, they'll get one result. And then they'll change their entire cook based on one result. They'll change meat. They might go from St. Louis to Babybacks. They might change their sauce. They might change this. But what comes with experience is um, sometimes you can just finish outside. Like you, you can finish 10th or you can finish 15th and you can be the first team in your table. And you've just got to, that's the luck of barbecue. And you just had a, you just had a tough table that you've landed on and people above you might've landed like there could be three or four people that come off to one table and that's that then that's barbecue there's nothing complaining about it. there's nothing wrong with that but i guess it's just knowing that hold on it's only one one or two comps let's just ride this out let's let's keep this going um when justin and i really put our heads together to really have a crack we actually the, the key to us was actually just locking it in like we decided for one year we just lock everything in and we just roll it out we did make minor changes here and there but we really locked it in and we focused and said, this is it. And then that's when James joined our team and he kept asking us, like, can we change this? Can we change that? We're like, no, that we've done it. It doesn't work. We're just locking it in. We just want to see what happens. And um, I guess you, once you start doing that, that's when you start building your processes and then you can start refining it. Like if you, if you don't do well in three to four comps in a row, you've probably got a problem and you probably need some re- more than just refinement. But as you know, you can, um, you can win a trophy one week and be dead ass last the next. And, um, it's just that's just competition barbecue, but it's a consistency that really keeps you at the top, and that comes from just really knuckling down and just trying a constant refinement. And that constant refinement builds your processes, which builds that synergy. So, do you guys um, do you cross train then? Like, I 
do you all, all teach each other your chicken techniques or your brisket techniques or do you um do you just have a working knowledge or do you leave each to their own um I would tell you that it's kind of like a cross train. There's certain things that each one of us in our team bring that the other person doesn't. Um, and that comes naturally. Like um, Justin is possibly the most, like he's a perfectionist. Like Justin's an absolute perfectionist. Um, he pretty much builds our boxes with James because um, everything's got to be millimeter perfect. I will tell you and happily admit that I'm the complete opposite. I would literally throw the box together in three or 30 seconds and not give two hoots. <laughs> um, so, so, so naturally if you come to our um site box up time there's times where our stuff gets like i'll come in and i'll slice up i might i might be slicing up the money muscle and and justin will pull the pork apart and this is the other thing like justin is real critical of pulled pork he, he he really doesn't like it so and where james and i and chris we quite we quite like pulled pork so what we put in the box might not be as good so he's really hard on that refinement um so i cut the money muscles i usually source them up, put them to the side, and then I walk out and there'll be something, I'll, be, I'll start filling with a brisket. So when the chicken box is getting boxed up, I'll be wrapping ribs. Um, just And Chris will come across to me. Like, we won't, I wouldn't even have to say anything. We just, and we don't speak to them. The timer goes off, we get, we get the ribs out, we wrap them. Um, so that it, it's one of those things where if I miss the competition or if Justin missed the competition, our techniques, we everyone in our team knows. All four people in our team absolutely knows all of our techniques. Um, it wouldn't change. Our flavor profiles wouldn't change. Nothing would change. You'd, you'd probably lose a little bit. Like if Justin steps out, we probably, our box might not look as pretty, but James, just James is pretty good at it as well. But look, if I got my hands on, I can guarantee it'd look like a sloppy mess compared to normal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things like we, we know we'll get consistency. There'll be things that will come back a little bit, but as a cook, nothing would change whether one of us were there or not. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Look, man, thanks for that fascinating uh, insight into the uh, what goes on behind the scenes there with Smokeface Grillers. Um, we're coming up to the to the top of the hour now, and it's uh, it's another hour later where you are, I know. So we're going to round out the episode now. Um, so let's uh, finish it up with some. Uh, you can give some shout outs to whoever you'd like, and tell everybody where they can follow Smokeface Grillers. So obviously, a big shout to um, the teammates that like it's, we got Chris. Justin and um, James, um, obviously Smokeface couldn't be there without their their supporters. Um, we've got Slowburn Woods, um, Heat Beads, The Q Club, Kelly's Meat. I know I'm going to forget someone as well. Um, I apologise if I forgot someone. But um, if you want to follow us, we're on Facebook under Smokeface Grillers. Um, our Instagram's Smokeface underscore Grillers. Um, if you come to a comp, I guarantee come come prepared to have a beer we'll guarantee we'll give you a bit of fun it's a it's a fun thing for us and um yeah it's about it's about it beautiful mate well i just want to say thanks very much for coming on board the show and best of luck for 2020 thank you very much mate thanks for having me and there you have it family massive thanks to jai for joining me in the confessional today and sharing all this great knowledge with us all and uh as you're now aware, he is uh, not the captain. They are all co-captains. And so if you do head to a barbecue competition, you will know where to find them. Just head for the loudest music and the flashing lights because it is always a good time when SFG rolls into town. And you did just hear him say it's an open invite to go have a beer with him and the lads. 
So that's it for today's show. So do me a favor, tell a friend about the show and make sure you invite them to the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. It's a great community where where people are only interested in barbecue. We leave all the other rubbish at the door and everybody is welcome. It is a good time. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.